0: Different items, and uh, and I appreciate getting questions uh, from uh, listeners on uh, through the email. And it seems like I've gotten a couple questions this week dealing with powers of attorney. So I thought we might focus on that today.
1: Okay, let's talk about that. I know one of the things uh, here in the office we talked about it. Here, can you have dual power of attorneys?
0: Well, uh, Skip, under the uh, Florida uh, power of attorney statute, which is a, a version of a, um, a uniform statute, you are permitted to have uh, uh, set up a power of attorney document that says if one person is not available, then the second, you know, a second oh. person uh, is nominated. And um, and you know, there's kind of goods and bads with that, uh, in positives and, and and negatives. The first, of course, is that you can set it up so that if Um, you know your primary person is not available then uh, then you've definitely got cover and of course if something actually happens to the first person say they become very ill or they're traveling or they they pass away or something like that then you've got a second person but the the downside of it is some banks don't like dealing with uh, the second person you know they want they need evidence that the first person's not available and if you're using it like um, the first person's traveling. Sure. Um, you know, maybe you need to have a statement from that person that says you are not available or or something like that. So that's kind of the downside of the of of the multiple persons. The second document, which we're really not exactly talking about here, or is the uh, designation of healthcare surrogate oh. and uh, dealing with doctors' appointments and medical things. Uh, the healthcare surrogate also is a document that where you can appoint more than one person. Now, not co people. Co, I don't think is a good idea, okay. because if you got co, that means you want them both working at the same time, which yeah, means but also you have got different opinions. Right? Different opinions. You know, you got more than one person involved in something, then you have a potential of not being able to get anything done because, um, you know, you don't always, you may not always have agreement. And then also, if you've got co people, both people have to be present to do whatever the act is. So if you need a, a document signed, we got to both people present. Okay, and so that actually makes things a little bit more. Um, more complicated. So alternates is one thing. Co's are definitely, I think, um, not a good idea. Now some some parents want to do that because they want their kids to get along and they want their kids to work together, and that's an all <laughs> yeah. That's uh, I hear you laughing back there. Um, yeah. Um, that's that's a great idea. Except no, let's 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 create that kind of um, work workmanship um, in a different area than you, than your personal affairs. Yeah.
1: You you know, and I ha- I have to tell you when my father passed away. Uh, I was his person to make the decisions. And for about three or four weeks, I was always called, hey, we're taking him to the hospital, and I would run. And then they'd say, well, we're going to keep him for tests, and we're going to send him back to the assisted living the next day. And I would have to go back the next day and ride with him to the assisted living and all this and that. So one day I get a call, and they said, we're sending your dad to emergency. So I thought, okay, I'm not going to hurry. I'm going to go because every four times it's been like, like this false alarm. So uh, I'm driving from Grand Rapids, Michigan to Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I get a call from the doctor in the emergency room, said, how far away are you? And I said, oh, about 40 minutes. He says, "Uh, I don't think your dad's going to make it. I said, do you tell me you think my dad's dying? He said, yeah. And then he says, by the way, you've got family members here, and he asked not to be on life support. And he says, but the family members are saying, put him on life support. So it's your decision. So I go great. I get mom mad at me. I get dad mad at me. What? Well, it's a non-win situation. So I did ask the doctor this one question. I said, "Okay, if we put him on life support, will that bring back any quality of life?" He said, "No." So I said, "Then we go with dad's wishes." And you, and you almost got to be like that, you know. That?
0: Well, you know, and especially in your situation where your father was in a position to where he could actually say, "If this is the situation, I do not want mm-hmm. your father's wishes." Go. Yeah, yeah. Assuming your dad is, you know, able to communicate his wishes to the physician. Which he did a few years before that, yeah. before he got Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. yeah. Well right. if he's able to communicate those wishes to the physician in a manner that where the physician feels that they can he or she can rely upon it, your dad's wishes go, regardless of what mom thinks, what sister thinks, and that's a very tough thing. Yeah, If to, Tell to me recognize about it. yeah <laughs> to recognize that there is a point in time where um you know th- we can't do anything yeah you know we're we're just human beings, yeah, and doctors you know as much as as great as they are and and every once in a while they can you know pull off a miracle, but not all the time and and sometimes again there's um nothing that can be done,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: you know we don't we obviously want our, we don't want our loved ones to suffer but if 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 your parent or your loved one or whatever has said under these circumstances. If I don't, you know, don't don't put me on life support, then you can't override that. Even as the power of attorney or as the healthcare surrogate, you can't override that, you know. And yet, that's a third document that typically uh, people should look at having prepared as part of their estate plan is the living will. Okay. And a living will is a statement by you, if you sign it, uh, that if you are in one of several different situations, uh, uh, you are permanently unconscious, you are uh, suffering from a um, a, a terminal condition, and um, I think there's a end stage something, okay. a, a third condition. Okay. But that if that those you're suffering those situations, you do not want to be placed on uh, long term life sustaining measures, and okay. you can also include uh, the tube feeding and hydration. Which, if you can remember, remember if you were in Florida back in the Terry Schiavo day. But when that happened, um, you know, as a young lady who was was young and had a, suffered a heart attack, I believe. And um, it basically killed her, except sh- uh, her body didn't die, right. and they had her on tube feeding and hydration for thirteen, fifteen years, something like that. And um, it ultimately became a uh, dispute between the parents and her husband as to whether to terminate her life support. And then, regrettably, the governor got involved, and yeah, I, rem- I remember political types. That. Yeah, you didn't have to be in Florida, I think, to know about that. But that's the point right. is that um, uh, that you can uh, include the tube feeding and hydration as something that you don't want to continue your life. Cause in Terry Shivo's case, that's all that kept her alive. She wasn't on a ventilator. She wasn't on anything special like that. It was just the, the tube feeding and hydration. So, but again, the benefit for you signing a document like this, if that's what you wish, mm-hmm. those are your wishes is you're taking that burden off your family members, you know, and they're putting it on the son or the spouse or the child grandchildren or whomever to make that decision.
1: Okay. okay, lots of things to know, lots of things to uh, be aware of before we make our wills and all the different things that we have to do. And uh, Sherry Aikens is the lady that's got all the questions, or the answers, I should say. If you've got questions, what's the email address?
0: You send it to radio at aiken-lawlaw.com.
1: Okay, there it is. And we're going to talk more with Sherry Aiken from Aiken Law on Focus on Elder Law right here on this Monday from the great voice of Volusia County. AM 1230 and AM 1490. Hi, this is Jeff Altier, Athletic Director at Stetson University. We take pride in all of our athletic and academic accomplishments, which means Stetson wins on and off the court, field, or diamond. Thanks for listening on AM 1230 and AM 1490, and always, Go Hatters! WSBP.
0: From your WSBB 2020 Volusia County newsroom, I'm Amy Ryan. Already preparing for the next legislative session, Florida Representative Tom Leake says he has a priority list in place and will be carefully weighing options when it comes to proposed bills.
1: You know, I thought the biggest travesty of last year's session was the failure to address workers' comp, so I would like to see us address workers' comp in a meaningful way. I'm not sure it'll happen. Uh, there's still a, a whole lot of forces working against that and pulling against each other to get a viable solution to workers' comp, but it's something that's high on my priority list, and so I want to see us address it. In addition to that, I'm still working on a couple of, of what will be my uh, bill slots. Uh, not quite ready for prime time yet, and ready ready to disclose those things. So, you know, I only get six slots, and so with six bills, I got to be pretty choosy about what I take. I'm exploring a good dozen of them right now to determine which one's off file.
0: And now with a look at our Daytona Tortugas and the latest update, we turn to Kevin Peel.
1: Amy, the Lakeland Flying Tigers topped the Daytona Tortugas 4 to 2 yesterday afternoon in the series finale at Joker Marchand Stadium. The Tortugas got a run in the first and a run in the fifth. Brantley Bell's sack fly brought in the first run of the game, and Alfredo Rodriguez extended his hitting streak to seven with an RBI knock in the fifth. Daytona will take today off before returning to the Jack for a three-game series against the Bradenton Marauders, which begins tomorrow night at 7.05. We hope you'll join us right here on the Tortuga Radio Network. Preparing for the
0: future is more than planning for retirement. It's making tomorrow's choices today, which give you peace of mind tomorrow. Arranging your affairs to make sure that your wishes are legally binding is one of the most important steps in planning for your future. It's also about taking the burden off of loved ones and relieving them of the stress of legal issues. At Aiken Law, our attorneys look at the big picture and your family dynamics. For your free consultation, call Aiken Law, 386-738-5599. There's no time like the present.
1: Did you know that one in three adults has not been screened for colorectal cancer as recommended? Colorectal cancer is the second leading killer affecting both men and women and often starts with no symptoms at all. Fortunately, colorectal cancer can be prevented by screening. As your community hospital, Halifax Health is dedicated to bringing our community awareness, prevention, education, and state-of-the-art cancer care. Halifax Health. Live your life well. Well, the great voice of Volusia County, AM 1230 and AM 1490, Sherry Aiken is with us from the Aiken Law Firm. She's focusing on elder law, and that's what she does every week, and she does that in her practice. And Sherry, if somebody doesn't have email and would like to call you, what number can they reach you at?
0: Our office number is 386-738-5599.
1: You know, Sherry, every time I talk to you on the air, off the air, I learn more about things that we should be planning for, whether it become for our our future or, or just for our heirs. So talk to us about some of the other important things that we need.
0: Well, going back to the powers of attorney, Skip, on, and just in their, um, our conversation here, you know, what happens if something, you know, you're, you're young and you're, you're healthy and you're in your, in your life, but something happens to you. Yeah. Well, if something happens to you, you don't have to be, you know, you know elderly or ill or anything like that to require these documents, these documents such as the, what we were just talking about, the power of attorney, a living will, and the health care uh, surrogate designation, these are documents that really everybody should have in place because you need them. When you kind of least expect it, really, and so you know, if you are, you know, run over by a bus or hit in the head with a golf ball on the golf course, sure. and you're unconscious, well, now somebody needs to make these decisions for you. It's at, at a minimum medical decisions, and um, contrary to popular belief, um, you know, parents don't have the right to make these decisions for adult children. Uh, spouses do not have the right, the legal right, to make these decisions for spouses. So wow. you need to have these documents lined up. Just you know, you know, sign them, put them in a drawer, and just pray that you don't need them. But if you've got them, then at least you have, you know, your wishes and, and your designations, uh, you know, prepared and, and ready to be used again if necessary. Otherwise, you are potentially leaving your family to have to petition the probate court to be appointed your guardian, even on a temporary basis. Um, that's a very expensive process. It's no one likes it. I mean, it's it's there because you know it's good that it's there because yep. you know it's necessary from time to time. But uh, but no one who's um, gone through that process is particularly f- you know f- flattered by it or um, appreciates the uh, um, the cost mm-hmm. and the court oversight. There's lots of people you know nosing around family business as necessary because we've got an individual who you know, can't protect themselves, and so the court is responsible to be sure that that person's interest is protected. And so, and then the court, of course, can accept just what some one person says that so has to be investigated. So having these documents, particularly the power of attorney and the healthcare surrogate, I think are very, very important. And so that being said, you just run out to your local uh, office supply store or website and just pull whatever you find off those uh, those resources. And my suggestion is no. Uh, power of attorney, under Florida statute, you can do a power of attorney and literally can give a third person the power to do literally anything you can do. Okay. In Florida, that power of attorney is effective right now today, the day you sign it. You know, you cannot anymore make them um, uh, contingent upon the effectiveness, contingent upon you becoming sick, or you know, when when my doctor says I'm not able to handle my own affairs, you can't do that in Florida anymore. Wow! So it's you know, what you know, some folks call it a license to steal, and that's really what it is. So there's, in order to protect yourself, one, you've got to have the it's got to say exactly what you want it to say, and too many um, publicly available sources um, print a you know kitchen sink kind of a power of attorney. You know, it's several pages long and I, I won't lie to say mine, mine is short cause it's not, but, um, but, but powers like um, trading on margin. If you know, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Opening credit cards, um, things that if, if you're really in a situation where somebody is handling your affairs for you, that's not what, what you anticipate. My expectation and my, my, my experience with my estate planning clients is that uh, folks want to be sure that there's somebody who can pay the bills Mm-hmm. Who can investigate the bills to make sure the bills are the right bills? Um, who can uh, pursue any legal action on their behalf if they're unable to do so? Basically, sign their taxes and you know those you know basically basically manage things, but not make significant changes in the structure of assets or
1: debts. Okay, but they've got to be very loyal to those people, right?
0: They really do. Under the statute, uh, being an agent under a power of attorney is a fiduciary uh, role, which means that you are not acting in your own best interest. You have to be acting in Service. the principal's best interest. And here's another question: okay. Is what if you uh, tell the principal that because you're the agent that you think something needs to be done, and the agent says no? Ooh, guess what? You don't. You don't do it yeah because again, the principal, just because you um the principal has signed the power of attorney does not mean that that person has given up the ability or the the legal the legal right to continue to manage their own affairs and that's that's a difficult thing when you're dealing with seniors who are older and um you know where it is time where there perhaps is some memory loss. Uh, or some cognitive uh, disability that's kind of brewing there, and you want a, uh, you know, you're you're trying to tell mom or dad, hey, you need to not buy that or not do this or not do that. Well, if dad ends up going on and just buying it anyways, investment or something like that, you know, you're not, you as the agent aren't liable for not stopping him because you under under Florida statute, you do not have an obligation as an agent under a power of attorney to act. So there's no affirmative duty to act. However, if you do act, you have the affirmative duty to act in the, um, principal's best interest and not to be self dealing, which means, um, you know, doing things for yourself or doing things that benefit yourself. And sometimes that gets family members in, in trouble. And and oftentimes it creates stress in a family where, you know, mom's, you know, writing checks to every charity that sends yep, her yep. a little solicitation yep, yep. and, uh, you, you can't take the checkbook away from her. Yeah. You know, you, you can't, you know, it's other than to go to, go to guardianship court. And actually sometimes that's where we end up in guardianship court anyway, despite having all of these documents because the, the, the principal is not cooperating with us here. So, um, and, and then it's, it's difficult sometimes to get family members to understand that the agent can't stop the principal from doing stuff. Okay. And you, you try, you do what you can, but at the end of the day, if, um, the, the agent want or the principal wants to you know walk out of that nursing home they could do that you know if the principal does not want you at that doctor's appointment even though you have you know the power of attorney even though you are the designated healthcare surrogate you don't get to be there okay and um, and that's another question i i got a a question from a a listener with an adult disabled child and the adult disabled child had earlier uh, designated the parent as a surrogate and uh, I guess, as a mental health counselor and, and the the child did not want the parent to be present um at the, those sessions, and the counselor said, You know go you know shoo shoo, mom um because they get to do that, and the question was well can 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 I be there can't I make this happen and the answer is no, short of becoming this person's guardian or in the case of a um, of um of, of 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 mental illness, you can be a a guardian advocate, but of course, short of being one of those things. You get to be there if the principal says you can. And if he says no, then you don't.
1: Okay. Well, I've got a good question for you. I would imagine that that a good portion of your legal practice is working with what we call the baby boomers, right? Yes. Okay. Well, now all the things I've learned is because the new 70 is 40 and 50 and all this kind of things, that baby boomers today are making more changes when they get up to retirement than they did in their early lives. So how often do we have to check all the things we're doing?
0: What on the estate planning side what I'd like to see folks do is at least to to talk with me every 2 to 3 years absent any significant changes in their lives. Hopefully when we've sat down and done the initial estate plan skip that we've gone through everything and we've we've answered a lot of questions and and maybe maybe that initial estate plan was some pretty big changes but at that point, it's a question of looking at what we've got and um, what's, you know, what has changed in your life. Okay. So okay. like you mentioned, like, you know, what happens if you've um, named an, an individual to be your agent mm-hmm. under one of these documents we've talked about? And that person has passed away, become ill themselves or has moved away. Right. Uh, well, likely you probably want to pick somebody else. What happens if one of those people comes into some financial distress, which which happens, unfortunately, for some folks in our lives. That's somebody you might want to, you know, rethink whether, not to say that they're trustworthy or not, but oftentimes people's situations make them do things that they would otherwise not do. So, um, you know, an individual that might have been a perfect ex- uh, choice to be the financial power of attorney five years, you know, 10 years ago sure. today because of issues may, may not be.
1: Okay. And I like I take a lot of that comes from divorces and things like that that could happen. Divorces, in family situations. Yeah,
0: divorces of 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 the individual, divorces of children. Yep. Um again, employment changes, uh illnesses that have that arrive in families and things like that. You know, we we don't get to, you know, we we can we lawyers plan for the best we can for what you've th- told us might happen.
1: Yeah. You know, I have to tell you that uh when it comes to the will, okay? I had a friend in Michigan, I think I talked to you about this on the air before, who who was pretty well off, and he had two children. And he decided to go to the bank to to have his his paperwork handled through because he didn't want the children fighting against one another. And so he decided to go to the bank and keep it completely out of his family, and everything would go by the court of the law. And was that a good move?
0: Um, I'd rather, it it kind of depends, I guess, on what your app's what the actual true goal is here. Okay. Some folks want to avoid probate and there's many ways to avoid probate. Uh, one would be to go to the bank and instead of having your bank accounts go through probate and through the will that you've, you've set through right, everything right. is you just designate one or more persons to be the uh, beneficiaries of those accounts, in which case, you know, th- those assets go to whomever you say the problem, though, is that if one of those persons passes away and unless you've sat down and said, but if this person is deceased, then this other person, you know, their children or so. So forth same there. thing
1: as you do with family. Yeah. OK.
0: So uh, sometimes it's a good it's a good idea. Sometimes it's not. if you've got debts that you need to have, um, you know, you, that you want to be sure are paid, um, that's not necessarily the best. Um, you, you, we were talking about leaving more money to one child. Or, you know, say giving a larger account to one child than the other child because you anticipate that the child tri- with a larger account's going to pay the funeral and stuff like that. Yeah, that's all well and good, except if it doesn't happen.
1: Oh, okay. And,
0: I mean, I've had situations where, fam- where p- uh, decedents have left life insurance to the children, and the expectation is that the children are going to then take the life insurance money first and pay the funeral. Well, and I've had, you know, say two out of four children show up and say, okay, here's my one quarter of the funeral bill. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the funeral director's like, well, what do you mean you're one quarter? <laughs> you <know? laughs> there, there's, there's a whole half here, and there's a whole half here has to be paid. And with the other two children to say, nope, I don't have to pay this funeral bill. And although we really, truly hope in our hearts that the moral obligation to uh, pay these expenses would take over. Unfortunately, it's not a legal obligation.
1: You know, we could talk every day for a half hour and not cover all the subjects that you cover in your law practice. So if anyone's got a question, first of all, what's the phone number?
0: 386
1: And I love your web address. If you got any questions, Sherry, will answer you personally and also probably on the air, right? Yes,
0: uh, radio at Aiken-law.com.
1: Sherry, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and talk about all the things we need to know with elder law. It's, it's something that, you know, we really don't want to think about.
0: But it is so, so important.
1: There's the words. We'll see you next week. Thank you, Skip. For making law, there she goes, Sherry Aiken on AM 1230 and AM 1490. We've been focusing on elder law like we do every Monday morning right here. Stay tuned for the latest news. Following that, of course, the best music, bar none of any radio station. We'll see you tomorrow morning right here. The Great Voice of Volusia County, AM 1230 WSBB,
0: News Smyrna Beach, Daytona, Edgewater, Port Orange, AM 1490, WTJ.